Hello, I'm Barry Winbolt, and this is Get a Better Handle on Life. Do you ever feel that life's a bit difficult? Do you find yourself struggling to keep up with all the demands of your daily life? Well, you're not alone. There are an infinite number of challenges we have to tackle in life, and we're often unprepared. That's why I produce this podcast. In each episode, I deliver expert insights, practical advice, and real-life examples to help you get a better handle on your life. Some of this comes from me, and some of it from my inspiring guests. Today, that inspiring person is a regular visitor on the show, Rick Goff. We're going to be talking about something that happens in the workplace and something that isn't very popular. Hello, Rick. Well, how nice to speak to you again and to see you because, of course, we're on Zoom while we're recording this. Uh, Nice to have you along. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here again, Barry. Nice to talk to you. So our topic for today, which I alluded to in the intro, but I didn't really touch on in detail, is what would you like to introduce it? Well, today we're talking about feedback. It's a kind of term that's used quite a lot these days, whether it's from the hand signals you see in your mirror as you're driving off or in a formal setting in the workplace. But it's something that is quite important and can be really, really useful or actually can be quite unsettling and takes a while to get over. So I think there is good ways of doing it, good ways of receiving it, um, and I think it's a really sort of healthy discussion for us to get into. Great. I think that'll be very interesting because I've had, as I'm sure you have, uh, I've had examples of that through my working life. I should say at this point to perhaps we have a listener who isn't uh, familiar with our conversations. So I just point out that you're a manager in a large financial multinational and have been for 28 years, 25 years, 28 years. Um, And so you're coming at this from the point of view of a very experienced manager who's seen a lot of change in the workplace in that time and had to adapt yourself to quite a few new roles, if I'm if I'm right. So feedback. Yeah. So and, and quite a lot of people don't view it with eager anticipation. Is that fair to say? I think it is. I think it's often unfairly tainted with a negative. So I need to give you some feedback about that. And that seems like you're preparing yourself to be criticised. Even as you say it to me, I felt a (laughs) shudder go through my body. (laughs) And we're just talking about it. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. And so what is this trepidation about, do you think? And is it trepidation on the part of the receiver or the receiver and the giver of feedback? Well, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because sometimes you want to invite feedback. So maybe I'm doing something for the first time that I need to go on and do another 10 times. Maybe, you know, it's it's a presentation, it's some training or something like that. So you might turn to your colleague next to you and say, hey, if it's okay, at the end of this, can we get together and have a coffee and you can share your experience Give me some pointers where I'm going wrong with that. And I think that's that's a very healthy to do thing to do. And in that situation, your head is kind of accepting the fact that not everything's going to be right and you may need to change a few things and you're kind of bringing that on. When somebody turns around to you and says, hey, can I give you some feedback? You immediately think, become defensive and you kind of worry that, oh, goodness, well, where's this coming from? But you don't know what they're going to say, do you? You know, it may be actually 
do you know what? That was the best thing I've ever seen, and I really think you should do X, Y, and Z. So yeah, I think you yeah. kind of, there's, there's two sides to that. Very important point. And you said in your example, hey, could we talk, have a coffee after this? I'd like to give you some feedback. Uh, and, and the implication is where you're going wrong. And I think that's a critical point because I have received feedback in something I've been doing recently over a period of weeks. It was a new project. And um, I had to learn quite a lot of new skills. And I was very interested in it. And the feedback that I got on a weekly basis from my efforts was always slanted towards what I wasn't doing right and could do better. And it was very useful. However, on about the third week, I said to my mentor, how about if you told me what I'm doing right and I build on that? Because, as you know, that's very much my perspective in all the work I do. Start with what's working and do more of it. And the bad stuff very often takes care of itself. And uh, this person said to me, whoa, that's, I'll have to sit and think about that. Now, this isn't a, a criticism or an indictment of them because they, they said, well, actually, this is right, this is right, this is right. And I know for my colleague, we could set you free right now, but I'm being a bit more pernickety. So that was very useful. But that's much more of a morale booster for me, even though I didn't see the negative feedback, if we can call it that, even though I didn't see that as a problem for me because it was helping me, I still needed or preferred to have, what do I build on from here? What's good about this? What do you I, think? I completely agree. That's a lovely approach. And, I, you know, we, there is that old the sort of cliche of the feedback sandwich, isn't it? Of, of Which is kind of everybody knows about that. And you have something positive and then you kind of deliver the meat of the message, uh, which can be negative, and then end on a positive but that's almost like masking the thing, isn't it? Or diluting the message. Going back to your thing, I think when when if you put your walls up to use that phrase and 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 ready to kind of you know prepare for that negative message, sometimes I know that when I've been having to give feedback on something that needs to be adjusted or receive it, sometimes I shut down and not really listening because it takes me back to another place where I didn't like that. So I not, might not be very responsive, but the approach you just suggested of saying, hey, let's focus on the things you just do more of, um, I think that's a really positive way of approaching things. Well, it, it, right. you, you know, as you know, it's a solution-focused approach. I think it also touches on a couple of other models like motivational interviewing and things like that. Um, but it, it's something that... Uh, across the broad spectrum of everything I do, whether that's conflict resolution, therapy, coaching, uh, mentoring a writer at the moment, you know, anything I'm doing, it's always starting from that position. And I stick to that position. Because as you say, I think that feedback sandwich, people have heard that so often. If you give somebody a bit of positive news about their performance, they're almost waiting for the other shoe to drop. Okay, so yes, and... What's yeah. the bad news? Because I know that's what happens next. And I have to dispel that idea. I said, no, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, okay, there are things you could do better. Uh, so my point is, when delivering feedback, and even when doing it in a positive way, if the person is, as you've said, reflecting on another occasion, not really listening to you because they're hearing good stuff and they're leaping ahead and they're thinking, yeah, but there's going to be a bad news message in this that makes a huge difference to how they receive it. 
And I, th- I think a second point uh, is just that when you are giving positive intent to your message, however, I would say, you have to not hedge too much and, and hide behind kind of positive stuff if there is a hard message to be delivered, because that also has to be done. It can also be the other way, isn't it, that you ignore all the good stuff and just focus on that, maybe one or two tiny points. You know, if you famously look at TV critics and play critics and everything else, people seem to narrow it. You know, when we're looking, okay, there's another example. When we're looking to buy something online, we look through and we say, oh, well, I only want something that's four stars. But actually you find that one that somebody says, this is product is rubbish. And you focus on that. <laughs> I know, and you think, and well, I, why? There's a thousand people say something positive, but I'm focusing on that I, one negative I, thing. And I can't get it out of my head once I've read that. Um, yeah. But also, that I mean, that happened to me in real life when I was doing stand-up presentations, not comedy, but although some of them are quite comedic. But when I was doing a lot of delivery, maybe three uh, live seminars a week, that was the really the busiest time um, a number of years ago. We stopped counting at something like 10,000 replies. We used to collect happy sheets after every event, obviously. You get feedback forms from people. And uh, after about the first two weeks, we made a, I was working with another guy, we made an agreement between ourselves that we would not read the feedback after the event because you could read, and these were audiences of two to 500, so you could read 199 good positive reviews and you get one negative one. It can even be something daft, like somebody said once, the presenter drinks too much water or <laughs> the presenter's doing his own therapy. Because I was talking about life, you know. And uh, you have to take note of these things, but they come to dominate. And then the next time you go out on stage, you get self-conscious about drinking water or talk, give, talking, using your anecdotes. So you have to yeah. be very careful about that one or two negatives. And I think if we're giving feedback, we have to remember that that person might be in that position, that they're just, as you say, they're just going to hang on to that one negative so i think that's a really good point i think talking about good practice in giving feedback being on the receiving end of feedback is when somebody doesn't own it and they oh, yes. tend it's come <laughs> from somebody else or oh well, it's not me saying this but i've heard other people yeah and that's yeah. so wishy-washy and just kind of undermines the whole thing it does so if you're gonna be how bold enough to, to be able to say, hey, look, Barry, I need to tell you about, you know, that beard because actually, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's not other people are saying about that. You know, you need to to own it. And, and I think that's really important. That really is important. Yeah. And um, that comes back in also in um, general workplace conversations, actually. It's not just feedback that one should never hide behind well, people are saying, or somebody thinks. Whenever I've had that in a sort of consulting position or a coaching position, I've said, well, who is the somebody? Either you name them or you don't mention it. So, yes, absolutely. It's interesting you say that about being fact-based because it's important to know, is that a perception or is that reality? But if somebody's taken the time to tell you something, that is their perception. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't seem to matter to them so much. It's just like, well, why do they think that? Why do they think that I am not explaining that well enough? Or what? 
maybe that, that that's it, it's kind of key that 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 is just how they think you know that person did think you drank too much water i don't understand that but that's just how they feel and it's important to kind of acknowledge it but like you say look at it in the grander context of things yes and it's just one in a thousand yes it is but the mind defaults to the one that's the problem we're talking about here isn't it it, yeah. it takes a conscious effort not to take that on board disproportionately is that fair yeah. to say yeah i think i think the other thing while we're kind of on this is when you construct your message uh, and plan how you're going to share something with somebody it's uh you know it isn't as we've spoken before it's not a one size fits all is it that it depends on your relationship with that person mm -hmm. on how well you know each other the level of respect between yourselves of how you manage that message some people are quite happy to have a blunt message just tell me you know if you think about the relationship with a doctor when they're giving news to a patient about cancer uh, they don't want a wishy-washy message, do they? They don't want it to be softened up or anything else. They just need to be told, hey, here's, you know, I'm sorry to say that we're going to need you to refer you on because I don't like the look of that. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. don't know if that's, you would say that's feedback, but that's kind of a message between two people about sharing some news, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. And whether we call it feedback or we call it something else, these are basic rules of communication. You know, if I want to have a conversation with somebody, I need to first consider the relationship between us and what it will support and how yeah. safe it is, how safe the other person feels, and whether there's uh, whether the hierarchy, if I'm a manager giving feedback, is going to interfere with that communication, because very often it will, just by virtue of my position, even though I've done my utmost to develop a notion of equality of voice in the conversation that other person may still be unable to kind of step outside their subordinate role when they're speaking uh, might feel intimidated in some way it'd be perfectly natural so all of those things have to be considered before we open our mouths and start speaking if we're offering feedback to people i think but then that's the same in any important conversation I think building on that is there's the relationship afterwards. So after we've had this uh, conversation, after somebody shares some news, you, you you need to kind of continue to work together afterwards. And I think that may stop people um, share getting to the truth because they're worried that actually, if I tell you what I'm really worried about, then you may take that badly and I've got to, we've got to stand next to each other. We've got to work together going forwards. On the same time, if you don't tell somebody, they will never know. And so you're only fooling yourself if you're not truly honest. Yes, absolutely. And actually, one of the things I've said in my uh, day job is, you know, you're actually denying them an opportunity. If you're in a position to give something back to somebody that is helpful to their development in a professional setting and you've agreed to do it because you call it feedback and you're going to do that, then the onus is on you to be able to deliver that effectively in such a way that they can use it, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I know that I, I stayed in a hotel on, on Monday night and I, I got the survey back um, and actually... I was honest and I, I said, look, nobody looked me in the eye. Nobody smiled at me. I, d I wasn't made to feel welcome. You gave me a, a, a nice cookie, but 
Oh, I wonder who the hotel chain was. (laughs) (laughs) I've never understood the cookie. (laughs) But I wasn't, I didn't feel welcome, didn't feel appreciated. It was just, there you go, get on with it. Um, And and actually the the best part of that was leaving in the morning, the guy looked me in the eye, smiled and said, have a nice day. You know, all right, that was four in the morning, but that was really positive. So I put that in my feedback. And so, because it stood out. Yes. Yeah. Well, you have to, you have an opportunity. Uh, I don't live like giving bad feedback. I don't like giving bad reviews of books. So when I'm reviewing, I, I will not do the review rather than give a, than slate somebody because somebody worked hard over that book and it might just be my distorted logic or my taste. But when it's interpersonal or when it's, it's service based, which is, I think, ser- uh, feedback in service these days is even more important than it ever was, because we're getting such crummy service so often. And that is not the fault of the staff. It's the fault of, in my opinion, professional opinion, of companies hiding behind the excuse of sh- low staffing levels, or they can't get staff. They're hiding behind that as an excuse for not training their staff properly it seems to me, because some companies get it right and the conditions are right for all of us, are the same for all of us. So if somebody's getting it right, then everybody can in terms of, you know, of course you get the odd staff member who can't perhaps do it well. But, you know, generally it's gone downhill and I think we have to give feedback in that sense if it's constructive and if it will lead to improving service. Yeah, and I I think that you know, receiving feedback, you have to uh, assume positive intent that the person is doing it for the right reasons and there's nothing malicious about it or truly personal. They're doing it to help you. And I think that that's a key mindset for you to have when when you're in those conversations. I think that's a really, really powerful point to remember, doing it with positive intent or sincerity. You know, nobody's out to assassinate anybody else's character it's but equally then it it behoves the person giving the feedback to do it in a courteous manner yeah um i was in a restaurant recently and um it was breakfast time and i asked for some marmalade and the server bought me marmalade that looked as if it was part used part of of marmalade little individual parts you know dollops and marmalade in it and um I, she was walking off, so in, desperate to grab her attention. I said, excuse me. And she came back and I held up the pot and I said, is that the right way to serve marmalade? And she went off. And then I started to worry. I thought, I said, is that the right way to serve? And I also added, it looks like it's been used. And then I went off and then I worried because I go to this place regularly and I thought, they're going to put salt in my marmalade. You know, they're, <laughs> they're not going to take this well. And she came back, and before she could open her mouth, I said, look, I'm terribly sorry. I, that wasn't well delivered. Uh, I was just trying to grab your attention. And she said, no, and she was all smiles. She was absolutely brilliant. And she said, no, no, that's quite all right. I quite understand. In actual fact, they'd put the marmalade in the kitchen. They'd put it in there with a fork and wipe the fork down the side of the pot. And I hadn't checked it before I brought it out. And I love that last line. She was taking responsibility. You know, she wasn't even blaming anybody. She's just saying that was what happened. And it was my fault because as gatekeeper, I didn't correct that. And we, we liked each other after that. And there was no harm done, you know. But uh, it's, it's easy to, to give back information to somebody and not do it correctly. And I think if you do do that, it wants acknowledging 
And um, so, for example, I was working with a colleague years and years ago, and she had to leave a meeting suddenly and urgently. And I made a comment, which was, well, when you were coming back or something like that. And um, it was a one-to-one meeting. And uh, she was a new colleague. I hadn't met her before, new to me. And I, I stopped her as she was leaving the building. I happened to bump into her and I said, look, um, so-and-so, um, didn't call her so-and-so, I called her by her name, of course, but uh, look, um, let's call her Mary. Um, I'm terribly sorry. I hope we didn't get off on the wrong foot. Did I do something wrong in the meeting? No, no, she said, no, that's quite all right. I just had some bad news. Turned out later she was separating from a partner and it was something about that. But I didn't find that out for months. for months. But the point being... I made an assumption that she'd lost interest in the meeting. I was having a telephone call. We were on a telephone, you know, call at the time, the two of us in an office and this person in the US. And um, it was left to me to, to wrap up. And I just thought she'd left rather precipitously. Uh, but instead of going and saying that, I kind of took the responsibility and said, look, I hope I didn't get off on the wrong foot with you because we've not met before. And she was, all, you know, all smiles and very nice. But had I not done that, I would have carried around a negative impression of her, of my own creation, mm. and she might not have actually broken the ice and come back to me. She might have thought, who's that awkward sod, Winbolt? You know, he's that snaps at me and then blah, blah, blah. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a balanced, has to be a balanced relationship, doesn't it, somehow? And... And if if I observe something in the conversation that it is my responsibility, manager or subordinate, to raise it and say, look, something, you know, could we address this aspect of how we're communicating rather than what we before we start about what we what we're communicating about? It's interesting that you you went into that conversation asking questions. Yeah, you didn't go in with a pre-prepared speech to say, here's what I observed. Next time, can you do X, Y, and Z? You went in more open-minded, ready to kind of find out why that happened, and I and I think that's that's commendable. It's a less confrontational approach, I think, and and I put that probably comes from conflict resolution because it's just such a, a sensible. Because as you said earlier, somebody giving you a, a comment, it's their opinion. They're allowed to have that opinion, good, bad, indifferent. You know, they're allowed to have it. The problem is not usually the opinion. The problem can often be how it is delivered. And so, you know, starting with a question and not, I mean, there are all sorts of questions, aren't there? There are questions which are quite punitive. So how did you think that went then? Was that good? (laughs) It's not the sort of question I mean. Uh, So I'd probably start with, wow, wow, how did you find the experience for the first time or for for being in this department for the first three months? What's it been like to you? Let me know. How have you found it? That sort of thing is much more receptive, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I, I think the um, some of the worst feedback I've had yes. um, has been around that perception, but has been inaccurate. Um, and when you say, okay, can you give me an example of that? Can you give me some facts of when I did that? There was, there was nothing. And it was all about perception. And actually, I hadn't done that. It was completely wrong. Um, and I naturally became very defensive. It became a very difficult conversation. Um, and I felt I was being pigeonholed or accused of something uh, or a type of behavior that actually wasn't true and it was far away from my natural character. Um, and that 
I still remember it now because I, I was reading afterwards and I, I just shut down and I stopped talking, didn't want to know, stopped listening. Um, we didn't kind of have any next steps or action plan out of it. Um, I just kind of sulked away and um, was not particularly warm to that person for quite some time because I, I just thought, well, you haven't, you've got this completely wrong. You're not open to listening to my side of the story. Um, go away, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked many times about reflecting on situations so that when uh, you're sitting in the other seat, um, having to share some news or share some behaviours, you know, we've all had those conversations with colleagues or people that report into you saying, okay, well, um, you you know, you've got some personal hygiene issues and, you know, it would be appreciated if you could do X, Y, and Z, or actually, can you stop sniffing so much because it's upsetting everybody on the phone and things like that. And they're, they're very difficult bits of feedback to give. Yeah. Um, but again, don't be wishy-washy, come straight to it. Um, talk about the benefits. If there is one of somebody did blow their nose a bit more or, you know, uh, change their shirt you know that that's really important to be able to tell somebody well because you're doing x here's the consequence of doing that yeah so they can understand that a bit more and it's not just me picking up on something for no reason well because you're doing this then here's the is there a, is there a tendency do you think i've only it occurs to me now as listening to you that some people maybe many people, when preparing to give feedback, the effort goes into the preparation of the content of the message, and less effort goes into how the message is going to be delivered and where and when and the circumstances. Do you think there's a risk of that happening? Absolutely. I think that to some people, they knowing that the person could be awkward um, may be... It, it, it takes away that natural conversation mm-hmm. and because they're expecting resistance or expecting to, the person to be defensive or deny it or whatever, then they kind of lose that human touch about the whole thing. Mm. And it may be a bit more formulaic than what it's, what it could be, which maybe makes the situation worse and does provoke that defensive denial, uh, difficult behavior from the other person. Yeah. I suppose, too, there's, um, again, coming back to standard sort of communication practice, good practice, we have to consider where the other person is in their day or their week. or You know, if, they, if, if somebody died recently or perhaps less tragically, they're just having a very busy day and we're sandwiched in between two very big meetings. They've both, they've had, we know they've had to, um, uh, you know, engage in a lot of preparation and that sort of thing. And we've got half an hour with them between these two. It's not going to work, is it? You know, they're not going to be available. We need the person to have the space to think and reflect. And I've always advised people, look, never go straight from one meeting to another. Just don't do it because you're not going to be functioning well. I know this is what work often imposes on us because we tighten up our schedules too much. For example, look, I've got a very simple mechanism on my diary, which is my client diary. So I know every client is going to be a deeper, meaningful conversation. It has to be when I say clients, I mean in coaching or therapy. And so I build a, my, my diary gives me the option to build a buffer in between each. So I can't book three o'clock and four o'clock and five o'clock 
because there has to be a, a 15 or 20 or 30 minute buffer. Gives me time to stand up, walk around, stretch, get a cup of tea or whatever it happens to be, and give some thought to the next conversation. And so that's kind of automated for me. But my instinct was not to do that. My instinct was to say, no, well, I, I, yeah, I'll finish at three. I can see somebody at five past, you know, but it doesn't work well. Yeah. I, just going back to what you did earlier, though, with that colleague that you had that conversation with, and you went in and you were asking questions, which kind of took the pressure down and, and helped you form a better picture, because it may be that you have to give some feedback about why somebody's always late. Mm -hmm. And you have to say, hey, look, you know, this is what I've observed. You're coming in late and look at here's the timesheet, blah, blah, blah. And I, what I need you to do is X, Y, and Z. But there may be a good reason for that. And there may be something you can do to work out why they're going out. Yeah. And the conversation could take a very different path. There may be personal circumstances or whatever behind it, which if you're just there and you're slightly apprehensive about giving the feedback about them being late, you'll have missed such a lot. Yeah. Um, and it could, you know, make an enemy of somebody accidentally. And harm them. That, that brings to mind a real case that I had a number of years ago where um, a, a single mother, um, her job location was changed. She worked in a library and the library was closing and she got relocated. But it meant something like an hour and a half bus ride. So nobody checked with her. She just went along with it. And she was having problems getting to work at, on time and was being penalised for that and reprimanded and things. But she never thought to speak up for herself or if she had, they hadn't heard her. And it created a very sour atmosphere between her and her superiors at work because these matters were outside her control. And uh, so I think we have to sound out the person first. Absolutely. I think it's very good advice. So what about, what What would be some guidelines for good feedback, do you think, for giving good feedback, giving feedback constructively and well? Ooh, um, I think that, again, it, if you can use examples um, to say, okay, here's what happened and here's what I saw the outcome of that is as a direct result of what you did or what you said, Here's the results of that. So to summarise, then we might say, you know, start on the right foot, use examples where you can, um, observe the behaviour, report on it, and note the outcomes, and then discuss whether that was an, a, the best result that could have been got, given with that approach. Yeah, I, and, and let's uh, you know, assuming positive intent, but also being willing to adapt your conversation uh, based on the other person and, and the information you're getting back, uh, whether it be body, verbal or non-verbal. In this, in this age of tick boxes more than ever these days for managers, I think that what you've just said is probably number one on the list from my perspective, from the communications perspective, which is first things first, consider the other person, where they are and what they're happening and I, what they're doing and what's going on in their lives. I don't mean in the sense that you've got to make allowances. I mean in the sense that you have to adjust your conversation to that person's receptiveness and ability to be receptive. Some messages, as you said earlier, can be delivered straight on, dead ahead kind of thing, and others you have to be lead into them more uh, supportively and more carefully. Would you say yeah. that's fair? Absolutely, and I think that some people 
bit like yourself, Barry, sometimes are actually really quite clever and make you make you think you thought of it yourself. So you've been led up the garden path, but actually you go through the door yourself without being pushed. And I think that's possibly the best way that you're coming up with the solutions. You're identifying the problem with yourself and the other person just kind of coaching you along the way. And before you know it, you've gone into this whole sort of self-learning process um, without realizing it. And yeah. that's possibly the best way yeah. if, if you yeah. can manage that. Excellent. And I would also add, I think that's a very good point you've made. And I, th I would add that it might, we haven't talked about this, but it might be worth asking the person when they come into the room what they think the purpose of this conversation is about. You know, what is the outcome that we're both trying to achieve here and lay the ground to set the scene for the conversation or double metaphor, lay the ground, set the scene. But you get my drift so that then we have kind of we're starting on a on an even footing with that. We both know what this conversation is intended to achieve. And we agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, the outcome based so that, look, you know, here's where we need to get to. And we've got to kind of fill in the gaps. So you mentioned when you'd been given feedback, not effectively, negatively. Have you got an example of when you've somebody's given you feedback and it's allowed you to go home with wings on your feet and cloud nine <laughs> and all that you. stuff? There was a kind of pivotal moment, a sort of uh, Damascus something, where I... I have had uh, low self-esteem at times, and I think possibly we all go through that. But as a result, was very defensive or apologetic um, and used to hear when somebody gave me positive feedback, I would excuse it away. And I, I was, oh, I'm, you know, and was very uncomfortable receiving that positive feedback because it wasn't natural. And I think that I got some feedback um, and said, that's not very attractive. You need to stop doing that and start listening to the person who's giving you that and start believing it because they wouldn't say it unless that, you know, they wanted to. And that was possibly the most important thing was to say, okay, let's start to appreciate positive feedback and start saying, rather than just say, um, brushing it away, start to say, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. And I will try and do that more. And I think that that was a big lesson of being able to, you know, we've talked a lot about receiving critical feedback and how to kind of cope with that emotionally, not to shut down, be sort of receptive to it, but also be very receptive to positive feedback. Absolutely. Because it's really important and it's really a good balance. And it's really nice, actually. Yeah. Uh, I feel good about it. It's, it. You know, it's a good thing to get. And balance uh, and is... So, sorry, go ahead. Well, if you keep batting it away... Why would I keep being nice to you if you're not accepting of it? Well, yeah. So if somebody does say thank you very much, uh, and you know, is very appreciative of that, then you will do more likely to go back and do it again. Yes, absolutely. And and you use the word balance in there, and I think that's a really important point because if all we hear, whether we filter it or whether we're actually hearing it, you know, it's all all that we're being told. But whenever we're taking in negatives about ourselves we need to balance that we need to counter it with stuff that will offset that because yeah. nobody is all bad and nobody makes mistakes all the time and so 
And one of the exercises that I've given people in my clinical work is, you know, go home and review your successes every day for, for a week or a month. I give them a little printout on it just, just to counter the negative stuff that you're allowing into your mind to lodge. And as you've mentioned, self-esteem, you know, it's positive esteem or confidence is built on success. So it's no good people telling us about successes if we don't recognise and own them, as you've suggested. So I think that's a very, very important point. And I think this has been a very successful conversation. And I would like to thank you. And I know we could go on for hours. And also to say that, as as we do in our conversations, you know, I'll put the email addresses in the uh, podcast notes, in the episode notes. And if you've got any questions for Rick, I know he'd be very happy to receive them. I'll just confirm that with you, Rick. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And um, very, very interesting. And and also, you know, to add to 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 what you're saying, if if people have had terrible experiences, uh, we're very happy to receive those and discuss those, and maybe come up with some ideas on how other people could handle that type of behaviour. Yes, I remember on that point, uh, there was a very um, illustrative moment for me in my training in as a therapist was that we had to do a lot of role play. And when one is role-playing with somebody who really can't do it very well, you learn so much about what not to do yourself when you get into professional practice. So, you know, examples of could do better are never wasted if you use them. Yeah, very much so. It's been an absolute joy talking to you again, Barry. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, well, I won't I, bat learned... that away. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I think it's, you know, even just talking about it makes you reflect and think about um, how this, and I, and I just, you know, if there's anything to take away, um, I, I would, again, reinforce that thing of start the conversation with questions and being open-minded, um, thinking about the outcome of where you want to go, but how can you could do it together so that you remain and keep the, the relationship there in some way afterwards? Absolutely. Very, very good advice. Keep the relationship, protect the relationship. That's separate from the information. You know, you yeah. have to keep that relationship. That is what's going to serve you both well in the future. Well, Rick, it's been a joy, as it always is. And thank you so much. And we could go on. We should perhaps do it weekly. I don't know if we've got the time, but uh, there's so much stuff that you say that I think must help people in the workplace. So I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And uh, speak to you again soon. Thanks, Barry. All the best. Bye. Well, I always find conversations with Rick uplifting and inspirational. So stick with us and follow our future conversations here on Get A Better Handle On Life. I hope you found today's episode informative and useful. And if there's anything we missed or something you'd like to know about, then email me or Rick. We'd love to hear from you. And remember... We're all on a journey and it's never too late to get a better handle on life. Thanks for listening. This is me, Barry Wimbolt. Goodbye and over and out.